It is Locked on Jazz for the 13th of June. Retreads? I don't want to retread. Why not? Retreads have been there and done that, and the track record might actually say they're better. We'll look at a retread. Frank Vogel's a candidate for the Utah Jazz. But there's one big red flag in Frank Vogel's resume you gotta figure out. Donovan and Rudy show us what they're doing in NBA Finals Thoughts. It's all coming up on a Monday edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Hope everyone had a great weekend in the super hot temperature, and it's not that way anymore outside. It's windy, blowy, about to be rainy, maybe even snowy. Uh, It's only June 13th. Hey, wait a sec. It's my parents' anniversary. Happy anniversary to my parents. Didn't Probably should have remembered that. Glad I just said it out loud and realized it. Uh, All right. One of the most common things that I'm hearing, getting notes, even talked to a really well-placed person in the NBA last night said to me, "I I can't see them going to a retread. Why not? First off, the first question I would have is, do you have any data that tells me that hiring someone who's actually already done the job is a problem? That's the first thing I would want to know. By the way, today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online, as you covered all season, with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, why no retread? Why, why is everybody's immediate reaction? I don't actually want someone who's done the job before. Because really, you're almost never as good as something the first time you do it as the second or third time you do it. Any Most people in this world improve when they get more experience. And so you have a chance to get someone who has experience and more experience than they've had otherwise, and you're going to just automatically dismiss that person. That seems ridiculous to me. Now, the fact of the matter, and the other thing I would say is that getting fired as an NBA hit coach is certainly not failing, right? Getting fired as an NBA head coach is, is not failing at all. And I think that's important to understand. Vogel goes to LA. We'll talk about Frank Moore. He wins a title. Jason Kidd's a retread. That was a pretty good year in Dallas. Terry Stott's eight-year run in Portland was a retread twice. Seemed like a pretty good run. So do we actually know that hiring a retread is bad? Now, I'm going to go do the research. Eight years ago, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find the old research. So I'm going to start over. And I got eight years more of data. Eight years ago, we I did a research project. As we search for Quinn Snyder, and actually what I found was that the number one trend or, or characteristic of somebody who became a good head coach in the NBA was that they had been a head coach somewhere else. Now, it could be 
Wisconsin like Stan Van Gundy. It could be a G League team like Taylor Jenkins now. It could have been, it could be Ithaca College. It could have been, Pum, I think, Pomona Pitzer, Air Force, wherever Popovich was. It was a head coach somewhere else. By the way, Jerry Sloan's a retread. Um, so why not get somebody who actually has experience and should have improved from what they've done? Now, the other one, interestingly, that when I did this research, and I will take the time either tonight or tomorrow, to tr- and sometime this week, to redo that research and see what the latest numbers say. The other one that actually worked surprisingly well was former NBA players with zero coaching experience. Zero. So as the Jazz announced Jason Terry as a candidate to be their next head coach, my research eight years ago, not updated, would say that's not insane. That actually go back to Jason Kidd, did a pretty good job in Brooklyn and Milwaukee with no experience. Steve Kerr had been in the front office, had had no coaching experience. Danny Ainge had had no coaching experience when he took over in Phoenix. Like, there's actually a lot of reason why that one might work. Probably a name not a lot of people are taking super seriously. The one thing that in the research I did eight years ago that didn't look great, frankly, was longtime assistants with no coaching experience. Ty Corbett. Those are the coaches that didn't do great. Luke Walton, I'd say... Was not a success. Pretty decent run as an assistant. No head coaching experience. Didn't work. Um, so, it's interesting. We added Sean Sweeney, longtime Mavericks assistant, uh, to the list. We added Jerome Allen out of Detroit. He actually has head coaching experience at Penn um, University. Uh, our, our, our list is certainly long. Uh And there's a value to it. I mean, literally, you can ask every single person on the staff or that you interview and say, what's the best thing about your organization? And you can end up with a pretty, you know, good little information drive on what everybody is um, and who everybody is. Mavs coach Sean Sweeney's interesting. He and kind of probably falls under the super intellectual um, look, I think he was actually like a college um, professor somewhere along the way and then became a video man and has worked his way up from like where he was a video coordinator at the University of Northern Iowa and then became the video coordinator for the Nets and then went to the Mavericks. I don't think he has any head coaching experience to the best of my knowledge unless I've missed it in reading his bio. His bio on the um, Mavericks website is pretty limited. He had spent um, four years with the Bucks. He spent a bunch of years with the Nets. Then he spent a bunch of years with the Bucks, and he spent a bunch of years with the Pistons um, and has been kind of tied. Um, the Bucks years were the years with Jason Kidd. His background before that was he went to the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul um, and then bounced around various things and was actually working um, 
including assistant coaching positions at the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. Like, that's this guy is a coaching diehard, um, which might be right. Like, he might be the next Brad Stevens, for all we know, just never got a head coaching break. So anyway, my point on this is, let's not dismiss the retread. Monty Williams is the NBA Coach of the Year retread. Tom Thibodeau was the NBA Coach of the Year before retread. Doc Rivers won an NBA championship retread, right? So slow that narrative a little bit because it doesn't seem to have any basis in fact or reason or logic other than just like this great comment that everyone makes. And it seems weird to me that we wouldn't want someone who has experience at the job. Let's dig into one of those and decide whether we like him. And that's Frank Vogel when we continue on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Today's edition is a Monday edition, and that is brought to you by our good friends over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross and also located in Linden. Uh, The Chevy lineup of trucks, unprecedented. Chevy makes the best truck out on the market. It's got the unicab. It's got the whole deal. It's got the the Silverado is the posh, beautiful, fabulous, incredible truck. The Colorado is the more zippy, kind of fun. Maybe even if you're fortunate enough, like the extra car around truck that you have. Their SUV lineup is terrific. We know the Tahoe. We know the Suburban. Those are legendary, massive cars in the world of Utah. And then the... uh, The... Volt is getting rave reviews from everybody uh, involved. That's over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also located in Logan, not Linden. I think I said Linden earlier, in Logan. Feel free to check them out. And if you want to set up a, a VIP meeting, please email me first at DLock09. Today's show is also brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app. It helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, and Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap, and your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Over 2 million users have helped save themselves over $100 million. Matthew says, in a matter of seconds, I saved $660 for the year on my DirecTV bill and saved $120 a year on my SiriusXM bill, saved $840 on my car insurance. It's all at Truebill. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. We're willing to save you thousands. It is Locked On Jazz. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Locked On NBA Big Board is here for you as your second listen of the day. Locked On NBA Big Board is the number one NBA dra- daily draft podcast that's out there with a bunch of great talent uh, for you to jump aboard. All right, let's talk Frank Vogel. By the way, is this the week of the logo reveal do you think of the color reveal so much talk about it i saw mckay i don't know her last name did some really fun stuff with the note and the jazz note um is this i mean i've gotten the purple and the gold background trying to get ready for it like is this the week i don't know i actually don't know it's like totally like even i was talking to it what we have this crazy crap i'm gonna leave his name out but crazy crazy talented guy who works on content Helped me with the Angel interview, and I kind of tried to find out when's it coming out. He was like, whoop, like not a word. Um, 
So who knows? Uh, by the way, also, great job on Ask LOJ last week. I'll probably try to pull some of those questions up throughout the week I didn't get to. I have them saved. And we will start doing that more regularly. If those of you on YouTube, I hope to like the new graphics that we were able to do with it. Um, but super cool uh, job by everybody. All right, let's look at Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel is 48 years old. He grew up in New Jersey. His starting story is kind of great. He's been the head coach at Indiana for six seasons, two years in Orlando and three years in L.A., um, before getting fired, he won an NBA championship with the Lakers. Here's the story on Frank Vogel. It's kind of great. So Frank Vogel is playing D3 basketball and decides he really, really wants to get into coaching. And he leaves the college he's going to in um, Huntington, Pennsylvania called Juanita College in his senior year, and he transfers to the University of Kentucky, where he, I think, always had kind of, you know, had this Kentucky thing. And dis- and literally, like, camps out. He told me this story once. Camps out outside um, Rick Pitino's office and basically transfers to Kentucky solely to become the student manager. He graduates from Kentucky um, and as Patino's, you know, and having spent this time with Patino and then becomes the head video coordinator for the Boston Celtics under Rick Patino. He holds that position for five years in Boston, including a year with Danny Ainge um, there. And I believe that at that point, Jim O'Brien might have become the head coach, who's a longtime Patino guy. So Frank Vogel uses the Patino kind of connection and it carries him into Boston. And then in 0405, he goes with Jim O'Brien, who was the, the same guy, um, who was a Patino guy through and through, former SEC head coach. And Vogel goes with Jim O'Brien and becomes an assistant coach for the Philadelphia 76ers. Then... Jim O'Brien goes from Philadelphia to Indiana and Frank Vogel goes with him. So now if you want to be like, if we're going to try to look at these candidates critically, you could literally say that Frank Vogel's entire career has started and was built on on, on Rick Pitino and his connection to Jim O'Brien. Now, I don't know if that's good or bad. That's probably how most people's careers start. But there's no question what the through line is here on Vogel is that he, he's a basketball junkie. He goes to Kentucky. He become like talk about making your own dream. He becomes the student manager for the Kentucky Wildcats, and he then literally rides with O'Brien after Patino leaves in the NBA game. And in January of 2011, O'Brien is fired, and Frank Vogel becomes the interim head coach, and he nails it. The Indiana Pacers go 20 and 18 under Vogel after being 17 and 21 or 17 and 27 under O'Brien. Larry Bird is the executive and hires him. Indiana at this point, frankly, kind of a mess. They're still coming out of the, the disaster of the malice of the palace. They're 30th in the league in attendance. And their team is Danny Granger, Darren Collison, Roy Hibbert, Mike Dunleavy, Brandon Rush, Josh McRoberts, Tyler Hansborough, and a young 20-year-old Paul George who's just coming into his own. And Granger's got major knee problems. So Vogel's first 
full season as the head coach of the Indiana Pacers is the lockout year when they play 66 games and he, they go 42 and 24. So he nails it his first year. He turns the team over to Danny Granger. Darren Collison gets added. Paul George begins to play 30 minutes a night at 21 years old. He's still only averaging 12 points a game. David West is on this team. George Hill, this is that Pacer team. And Vogel's coaching it, and it becomes the seventh best offensive team and the ninth best defensive team. They lose to Miami in six in the second round. The next year, they go 49 and 32, but now they're the 20th ranked offensive team. And the number one defensive ranked team, they lose in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals to the Miami Heat. They beat Atlanta in six, they beat the Knicks in six, and they lose to the Heat in seven. And this team is Paul George, George Hill, David West, Lance Stevenson, 26-year-old Roy Hibbert with Gerald Green, Tyler Hansborough, Yamahimi, and DJ Augustine coming off the bench, and Danny Granger's knees have now failed him officially. So he wins, I mean, that's an incredible start to Frank Vogel's career. This is 2012-2013. He goes, first year he goes 42 and 24. The next year, 49 and 32. Remember the first one only had 66. And then he nails it a third straight year, going 56 and 26. And again, they're 23rd in the league offensively. They're number one defensively. They lose in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Heat by six. They beat the Hawks in seven. They beat the Wizards in six. And they lose to the Heat in six in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. Same group. No real changes there. Danny Granger still doesn't have much left. They trade for Evan Turner along the way. They try Andrew Bynum. They're trying everything. The next year, things begin to fall off. They go 38 and 44, but that's because Paul George has the massive injury in the offseason and doesn't play. And this team is 23rd in the league offensively and now 7th in the league defensively. Frank Paul George comes back the next year, comes back to being a 23-point-a-game scorer. They go back up to 45-37. and 37. They um, have the third-best defense in the 25th-ranked offense, and they lose in the first round and to the, in seven to the Toronto Raptors, who I believe will go on to win it that year. And they... You know, they lose in Toronto, 89-84. DeRozan, oh no, because DeRozan had 30, so they don't win it that year. Um, And Vogel's done. So that's a pretty incredible run right there. He takes over out of nowhere. He becomes one of the, thought of as one of the best coaches in the league. He gets his team to the Eastern Conference Finals twice. It's pretty great. Hard to complain. They go 42-24. and And I'm not sure I look at that roster. It's good, but it's... It's got one Hall of Famer in Paul George. George Hill's a good player. David West's a good player. Lance Stevenson, Roy Hibbert. Like he, that seems like he maximized that roster. Hard to, hard to criticize anything there. The one thing that jumps out is that the first year they were seventh in the league offensively. The next year they were 20th. The next year they were 23rd. The next year they were 23rd. The next year they were 25th when Paul George came back. And then he's out. And it, That, to me, is a little unnerving. And it's more unnerving when you start to kind of look at what happens in both Orlando and L.A. This would be the one red flag on Frank Vogel's resume that I think if you're the Jazz, you have to get an answer to, which is why have your teams been so bad offensively consistently throughout your career? So he goes to Orlando in 2016-17. Now, let's make sure we understand what Orlando is. Scott Skiles had been the head coach the year before. They were 35-47 and 47 the year before. They had Victor Oladipo, Tobias Harris, 
Evan Fournier, Nikola Vucevic. They were all 23 years old. It seemed like this promising team. And Vogel takes over. And now the team is Evan Fournier, Terrence Ross, Serge Ibaka, Alfred Payton, Nikola Vucevic. They make a bunch of deals. They make the team less good. They get rid of Victor Oladipo. They get rid of Tobias Harris. And they become 29 and 53 in Vogel's first year. They're 29th in the league offensively again. 22nd defensively. His next year, they lose four more games. They're 28th, 25th offensively, 18th defensively. Again, the team now is Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, Nikola Vucevic. Jonathan Simmons is playing their fourth most amount of minutes. Alfred Payton's playing their fifth most. Like, it's not a great roster. But there it is again, 25th in the league defensively. Or offensively, excuse me. So he takes, he gets fired. Who cares? He takes a year off. He goes to LA and they win the title. They go 52 and 19. They are LeBron, Anthony Davis, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green. They win the title. They are the 11th ranked offense and the third ranked defense. He puts his defensive stamp back on the team um, that... And they win the title. There's not like it's the bubble year, but they go four and one against Portland, four and one against Houston, four and one against Denver, and they beat the Heat. I was stunned that team won the title. I'm not gonna lie to you, it was a bad half court offensive team. And so to me, I just never thought that team would win the title. I'm not like if if we're looking at it and um I I just truly went back and you know, if you look at 1920, I remember talking about it at the time, and you look at their their half court offense in in the 1920 season, the Los Angeles Lakers were 17th in the league offensively in the half court, playing their uh, they played and they just got out and ran. They played in transition and they did a great job of getting in transition, and I just didn't think that that team could win it being not not that good in half court. And the fact is they never played a good defense on their whole route. So it worked out for them. The next year, they're 24th in the league offensively and they lose in the first round. Now, you know, injuries cripple them. LeBron plays 45 games. Anthony Davis plays 36. This is not a full... I guess we did play all 82. No, we played 72. Um, so they're not playing a lot of games. And, you know, he ends up with a weird roster with Andre Drummond. But again, we see a poor offensive team at 24th in the league and first defense. But we see first defensively. Like Frank Vogel is a defensive wizard, according to the ratings. And then last year he gets Russell Westbrook and they're 23rd offensively and they're 21st defensively. He just has a, has a you know, that's an unfair year probably. Um, you know, it's hard to judge on some of these things. And and this is the, and, and I'm only pointing out like this is the red flag. So like if I'm the Utah Jazz, I've got to go back and try to figure out like what is the story? Why if I look at Frank Vogel's teams, maybe are they not as good offensively as the rest of the league? And that would be it. If you look back at Indiana's teams under him, their first year, their 22nd in the league in the half court. The next year, and you keep running this down using clean the glass numbers from 2011, 2012. This is a long time ago. And they are 18th in the league in the half court. They don't get stuck in the half court a lot, which I'll give Vogel credit for. He does get his teams out and running and your overall defensive rating matters. But is there something, you know, you still spend 80% of your possessions in the half court. The next year they were 25th in the league in the half court. 
Um, that's probably, that's the 12-13 year. So that would be the year. Um, that's with, I mean, that is a 49-win team. It's 25th in the league in the half court. Um, they get better the next year in 26, but they slow way down to do that um, in the next year. So that's like the big question to me on Vogel is whether or not offensively there's enough there. He's taking over the number one offensive team in the league. What would he do with it? How would he answer it? And this is, in my opinion, the beauty of a retread. I have data that shows me what he does and what he, how he's coached. And I can ask and dig into this the same way. The same way that when we do Terry Stotts tomorrow and look at Terry Stotts, I need to understand why you were 30th defensively. Your answer might be Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor. Same way I need to understand maybe the answer to why you're not very good offensively is Roy Hibbert. And, you know, what, what his restrictions were on what you're able to do. And so you, these are questions, not the thing. These aren't death nails of why you don't talk to them. They're things you find out while you're talking to them. And that's the most important thing to this. Uh, we'll come back. Donovan and Rudy, tell us a little bit about what they're doing. Some NBA finals thoughts for you as well. We got to get back. We had a bunch of things we got to get back to. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all betting stats, sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds including jazz coaching. What are the odds on the jazz coaching position for everybody to look at? Bet Online has everything you need, uh, whether it's championship matchup, the NHL hockey uh, finals, the Major League Baseball, and of course, the latest fighting news, MMA, UFC. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information like betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. The fun NBA odds on. Utah Jazz head coaching and LA Jazz. They also have the 2K cover athlete, by the way, um, for you on uh, the betonline.net. They think that Nikola Jokic is most likely to be the cover. Um, and they have the Lakers finishing in the West. They're obsessed with the Lakers, rightfully so, um, on all these things. Okay. Um, what was I going to do? Oh, I know. Uh, quicker tour thought on NBA Finals and then uh, Donovan and Rudy stuff. Um, does anybody else watch this thing? And like, you're watching the Warriors and they seem like they're almost flawed and you're thinking to yourself, like, we're not that far away. And then Steph goes bananas and you're like, oh, I guess we are far away. Like, that's a little bit of how I feel watching the Warriors right now is they the Steph Steph is what changes them. He's just incredible. They have all their movement, their action, you get used to them. I don't think they're going to win this series. I think Boston's bigger and longer. Unless Robert Williams um unless Robert Williams really can't play because I just don't think the Golden State can get to the line to the um to the rim enough in this series. Frankly, neither team can. Golden State took more shots at the maybe I'm being you know Boston only took 10 shots at the rim in the last game Golden State took 17 I feel like Boston when they completely commit they can get to the rim with a little bit more vigor and that Golden State can't now when Golden State um and I think that shows when Boston took 26 shots at the rim in game three and took 33 percent of their shots at the rim which is kind of what you need to have um but if Robert Williams can't go then that opens that changes a great deal of that series um, Donovan was at his, uh, Chris Brickley's, his trainer was at a birthday party with, um, 
Jimmy Butler. That was all over Instagram wearing a hat that said a better world is coming. What does it mean? I don't have any idea. Rudy Gobert is in, I think, France. Um, I actually texted with him yesterday. I didn't ask him where he was. Um, I had something I had to get to him. And um, the... Um, and I don't know... Um, uh, he's boxing and doing all sorts of fun stuff like that. Um, I had a... He had a obtuse, weird quote... To admit what's really going on and that we've been played, you have to be willing to have a total ego breakdown of all you thought you knew and be willing to surrender to the fact that reality was never what you believed it to be. Too many people don't have the courage to do that. I got no idea. To admit what's really going on and that we've been played you have to be willing to have a total ego breakdown of all you thought you knew and be willing to surrender to the fact that reality was never what you believed it to be. Too many people don't have the courage to do that. Yeah, I got no idea what Rudy's... I'm not that smart. What would you do if you were 29, 30, 28, 27 had hundreds of millions of dollars either coming to you or in your bank account. And you had like the whole summer free. Like, what are these guys supposed to do? It's kind of a crazy concept. Like, we see Donovan in every ocean shot, everywhere. Like, you just go spend, buy houses everywhere. I mean, the amount of money these guys have with a future earnings that's outrageous. Like, I, I actually am a little surprised they work at all. That they get ready for the season at all. It's it's an it, I admire it. Like you wonder, like someone talks about just getting paid and like checking out. Like it seems like that would not be that hard to do. I'm pretty kind of in awe of it. All right, that is locked on jazz. We'll look at Terry Stotts tomorrow. We'll continue to break down the candidates. We'll get back to looking at other teams' rosters. We I owe you that. We'll continue ask LOJ as the week goes on. So if you have a questions, hashtag me, ask LOJ, and I'll review them as the week goes on. And um all that. Have a great Monday. Talk to you soon.